Hello, I am Joseph Kerr, and I'm here with my dad, Randy Kerr. Um, say hi, Dad. Hi. <laughs> um, this is the first. Uh, this is the first time yeah. that we've been we've uh, done this, um, especially to get. Well, first time we've done this together. I've actually done a, two podcasts before this, um, so we're kind of new at this. So we apologize in advance for for anything. Um, that we uh, technical difficulties or anything like that, we apologize in advance. But uh, Dad, if you would like, um, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell them about your who you know a little bit about yourself and where you live. Your in your that your your pastor and all that stuff. <laughs> sure, uh, my name's Randy Kerr. I am the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Kildare, North Dakota. I've been a pastor for hmm, 30 plus years and uh, decided that we would get together, my son and I, and that we would uh, deal with the issue of, of salvation in particular, since it seems to be a subject which is talked a lot about, but is so confusing in all the differing uh, definitions that are uh, go on so we want to talk about that today yeah we'll be uh covering for our text today will be john 3 1 through we're going to try to cover um 1 through 8 if we have time um unfortunately we with the we're using uh zoom and unfortunately with zoom you only have 40 minutes so um we might have to cut short and um do maybe do a different part or, or take it up in the next um the next series because we are planning on to do the whole chapter of John 3. Um, so with that said, not to take up more time, Dad, would you like to go ahead and, and start? Sure, Joseph. I think the first question that we would like to ask or we would like to get across is why did we choose John chapter 3 to begin with for our discussion? And if you've ever read John chapter 3 before, and if you don't, you'll find out as we read it that this First of all, this encounter with Nicodemus, uh, Jesus most thoroughly answers the most important question anyone needs to ask and, and to know the answer to. And that is, how does one enter the kingdom of God? Or how does one inherit eternal life? The rich young ruler asked it that way. And as the Philippian jailer asked, what must I do to be saved uh, from God's condemnation? Jesus, in John chapter 3, lays it out before Nicodemus, uh, the best, I think, in the Gospels. He lays it out before Nicodemus so that he could perceive the truth. And because the Holy Spirit recorded it through John, we too have the answer from Jesus on that same subject. So that's why we want to look at it today in John chapter 3. Absolutely. <clears throat> Would you like me to uh, to read John um, 3, 1 through 8? Yeah, Joseph, go ahead and read John 3, 1 through 8. All right. So this, again, like we talked about, this is going to be our text for, um, for today, and uh, we'll move on from there. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is uh, with him. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born canny. Jesus, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the, into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So everyone who is born of the Spirit, excuse me, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. There's definitely a lot there, isn't there? Yes, there's a lot there, uh, and we'll do our best to break it down to, to answer some questions because all of it has important bearing in understanding what it is that Jesus is saying to Nicodemus and why he says what he says. And I think that the first thing that we want to look at is it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees, and this certainly has bearing on what Jesus says to him, but you know, let, let's not assume that everybody knows exactly what a Pharisee was, and especially what a Pharisee believed made him right with God. That is, qualified him to be a part of the kingdom of God. And these things, and this is just kind of a, not a necessarily a complete list, but it gives you an idea, and he, that Pharisees were strict observers to the letter of the law. I mean, they did everything to the extreme and made sure they... Uh, kept the letter of the law in all of its little nuances and details. Second, they were circumcised. They, they, they had circumcision. And they were also uh, very religious in observing all the ceremonial parts or the outward acts of the law, if you will. And being highly devoted, uh, they were also very highly devoted to the whole religious system of Judaism. And they did all of this to gain favor with God to be worthy by their own self-righteousness uh, of, of the kingdom of God. So that's the first thing, Joseph, we want to look at. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, we, and we'll see later how that uh, fits in what, into what Jesus tells him and the erroneous uh, attitude that it gave Nicodemus. The second thing that you see here is that Nicodemus was not only a Pharisee, but it says that Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. And again, instead of assuming everybody knows what he's talking about, let's clarify that. What it means is that he, Nicodemus, was a member of the ruling religious body of the Jews, that is the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was 70 men that were chosen from the nation to, if you will, be the policymakers or the rulers uh, of, of uh, Israel's religion. In other words, they made the religious policy. So we see Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee, a very strict observer. He was also a member of the ruling religious body of the Jews, the Sanhedrin. And yet he had heard of Jesus and he and all the things about Jesus, and he comes to Jesus by night, and that's the next thing, 
said, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him. Well, it, it's, it's, uh, there was a reason that he came to Nicodemus by night. And uh, it's because Nicodemus held a majority view of who Jesus was among the Jewish leadership. Uh, the Jewish leadership, along with uh, Nicodemus, had seen and even tested all of the authenticity of all of Jesus' miracles. I mean, they had spies that went and they looked uh, uh, at, at, you know, when Jesus did miracles, they even tested him and he did it right in front of them so they could see it. And they had all the evidence of who Jesus was. And Nicodemus was a part of that. He knew uh, about the miracles. And if there was an opportunity for the uh, the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders to prove that Jesus was false, they would have done it. But, you know, in every, everything that they knew about his miracles and they looked at every aspect of it, you know what, they couldn't deny, in fact, never did deny that his miracles were real. Now, the leaders knew that the supernatural things Jesus did could only come from two sources. One, God, or two, Satan. The problem is that the majority of the Jewish leaders, after examining the veracity of the miracles deliberately that Jesus did, deliberately chose to say that Jesus did them by the power of Satan. And if you want, Joseph, uh, if we look over in Mark chapter 3, verse 22, and there's several places in the gospel account that you can look at it, but in verse 22, we see this happening. It says, the scribes, and Jesus at this time was in, uh, in his Galilean ministry and uh, around Capernaum probably right now. And it says, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem, here was the bigwigs, had come down to test Jesus to see what he was doing. It says the scri scribes who came down from Jerusalem, the head headquarters, you know, uh, were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, Beelzebul, and he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. And that was their conclusion. That was their, uh, their official policy from then on, that Jesus <clears throat> did his miracles and all of the things that he said included was, you know, satanic. It was by the power of Satan that he did it. Uh, One thing, if I may, that interject um, sure. regarding the Pharisees is that one thing they also did was they kind of made up their own um, their own rules regarding religion, if you will. They made it convenient so that they wouldn't sin and look pious. Um, they would make up and add their own things to the Mosaic law so that they would uh, be able to keep them and be easier for them to keep them and, and kind of made, did their, what, made up their own, their own things. And that was, of course, definitely going on at that time of Jesus and um, throughout the, the Bible, Jesus calls them out for it. Right. Well, the difference in the other Pharisees and the Sadducees, or if you will, the Sanhedrin and the rulers, the religious rulers, 
that they had come deliberately to the, the decision after seeing everything that Jesus did, after hearing all the things that he said, they deliberately made the choice to say, yeah, this was, we have two choices, either it was that he is of God or he is of Satan, and they chose to say, well, he's of Satan. But Nicodemus, uh, in, in the, that same verse at the end of it says, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus uh, saw Jesus' teaching and miracles for what they obviously were from God. So at night, to avoid the majority, so he wouldn't have to deal with them and their uh, you know, whatever uh, consequences that would come or even debate with them, whatever, he came to Jesus by night to, to seek out Jesus. Uh, so that that sets up the the episode that uh, uh, the meeting and uh, and then after that uh, we see Jesus's answer, <laughs> if you will, answer to the question that Nicodemus never asked, and yet it was the greatest thing that greatest answer to of uh, the man's problems and the the answer that Nicodemus was looking for. Clearly, Nicodemus had heard Jesus' words. He had heard his claims and seen his miracles, and it was the Holy Spirit was convicting Nicodemus to suspect that what Jesus was saying was the truth from God, and that his own understanding and beliefs were in question, thus drawing Nicodemus Jesus to find out. But Jesus answers and says, uh, answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus cuts right to the question of Nicodemus's heart, answering the question that Nicodemus didn't know what he was going to ask or how to ask, but needed to have the answer to. So that's, we get the, the, the question here. Now, just some points here, Joseph, that I would like us not to miss. First of all, the Holy Spirit led Nicodemus to the right person to answer the question of his heart, Jesus. Absolutely. He led Nicodemus to Jesus, who had the right answer to the right question. And Jesus didn't play around with formalities. All he did was answer the question like I, that, uh, I, I mentioned before, that he answered the question, you know, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? Jesus told him right off the bat because that was the thing that was on Nicodemus's heart. What must I do to enter the kingdom of God? Or like I said before, what must I do to inherit eternal life like the rich young ruler said? And uh, so Jesus answers the question that ought to be primary upon every person's heart uh, and the one that Jesus, regardless of whatever questions that Nicodemus might have had at the time about Jesus. Jesus saw that the one that was most important to Nicodemus and to whoever would hear what Jesus had to say, that the most important question Jesus chose to answer was, you know what, what must I do to be saved? Or what must I do to have eternal, to enter the kingdom of God or have eternal life? And so 
You know, we also, because it's recorded, have that answer. And that's what we want to look at tonight. That's why I believe it's so important that we uh, look at this passage uh, tonight to, uh, to begin in this whole series to answer that question, to understand it, to see what it is that Jesus said. Now, some important points, again, I think that we need to look at in uh, chap, uh, verse 3, excuse me. Jesus makes a, uh, a uh, uses a double uh, statement here to begin with. He says, truly, truly. Uh, that's a word that we are familiar with in the Greek, and uh, not in, in Greek, but in Hebrew that Jesus would have used, because it's the word amen. And Jesus said to him, amen, amen. And you know, usually we think of amen as something we throw at the end of something, but what it means is uh, uh, confirmed, or this is the truth, or it's, it's settled. And so he uses that word, it's settled, this is the truth, amen, amen, a double, which emphasizes or uh, what Jesus is saying, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Yeah, there was uh, there's no no uh, wriggle room in his um, his answer. He wasn't leaving it up for debate. No, that's true, and and it, it's interesting to note that in his uh, talking to Nicodemus, uh, Jesus doesn't go through small talk. He doesn't go through uh, uh, you know. Well, Nicodemus, let's talk about this issue, or let's you know, let's have a discussion here. What Jesus does is Jesus uh, cuts right through all of that stuff and tells Nicodemus and lays out the truth for Nicodemus. Listen, Nicodemus, here's what it is: if you are not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Period. He lays out the truth. Now, in the rest of the time, in verses four through fourteen, and there's no way we're going to cover that tonight, but he corrects. Nicodemus's errors. He doesn't compromise with Nicodemus. He doesn't even sit down and discuss it with Nicodemus. But he, in the sense that Nicodemus gets, they go into a debate. But he corrects Nicodemus's errors of what he believes. And then in verses 15 through 21, which is the end of the where we're going to look at in John, he explains how in the how God saves or the process of salvation of God and what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I know, Joseph, that there are a lot of people, and I've heard them say it myself, you know what, I, you know, I'm a Christian, yeah, but I'm not one of those born-again Christians. And in reality, I understand somewhat what they're saying, because a lot of the things and, and the shenanigans done by quote-unquote born-again Christians, I don't think I want to associate with them myself. Right. But here... Uh, that Jesus has a specific meaning, and we certainly want to know what it is. Because what Jesus said is pretty emphatic, isn't it? Unless one is born again, uh, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Whatever uh, born again is, it is absolutely necessary. Thus, it is absolutely necessary to understand what Jesus means by it. Not what somebody else says when they say born again, but what Jesus means by it, the truth of it. Or one will not see the kingdom of God. 
the words from the very lips of our Savior himself. So the next thing I guess on our uh, list here in explaining this would be, okay, well, what does born again mean? What in the world is that? Uh, you know, we, we hear so much, well, just what does that mean? Well, first of all, and I think there's two aspects to the word born again, because literally the word means born from above. Literally born from above. And... Uh, Oftentimes it is translated born again because of what Nicodemus answers. It can mean that, born again or born from above, born again from above, however. But Jesus is making a statement in here when he says that. And uh, what he is saying is uh, that... Uh, That Nicodemus, you know what, you, you're, that salvation is not something that you do, but that's something that you need to be changed, and uh, that change comes from God. That salvation, to be entered the kingdom of God, God you must have a work of God uh, coming from above, God's work, not what you do in your own, uh, you know, in your own self-righteousness. Uh and it says that you must be born from above. Uh, and in one short sentence, Jesus tore down the whole framework upon which uh, Nicodemus believed his righteousness, righteousness before God stood. You need to be born again from above. Uh, the, the, and it gives us the act that is being born from above, or born again, the origin and the act uh uh, born again. Right. May I? Um, also, I, I, I think we, we got, we have with being born again, again, even being born above. Of course, we, we have the imagery of, of course, you know, we all know being birthed. We, we, uh, as a baby, um, you come out, you come into this world with pretty much nothing. You're you're new to everything. You have you're total dependent on your parents or whoever may be you know taking care of you, but you're it's total dependence on them, not yourself. And I think that's a um, a a uh, part of the, I believe the, what I see from here the imagery that we're also getting, and pretty much what he's Jesus is telling Nicodemus you can't rely on yourself, and we see this. Too, we see it in the Beatitudes where the poor in spirit and the word that actually means, uh, I believe it's the word that means poor, literally means to beg or a beggar. And it's that, that, that imagery or that to see, to see that you're literally dependent on somebody or something. And you also, um, and, and of course, that is God because we are totally reliant on him. It was because of his grace that we are, through his grace that we are saved, not by our own. Um, we also see that regarding where the, the um, uh, I believe it was the taxpayer was beating his chest. And Jesus says, that guy, and he was, he was crying out to God beating his chest. That guy, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's, he's, got, he's got it right compared to you, if you will. Um, of course, that's extreme, extreme uh, paraphrasing, but 
And that's that same imagery because he was crying out to God saying, I can't do this without you. And I think that's kind of part of the imagery that we're getting here. All right, and that is the whole point that Jesus was making. And it's this, Nicodemus, born again, that means that, uh, you know, it is a work of God. It's something that you don't do yourself. You're not born, and you have nothing to do with it. Uh, and he said, this is a work of God born from above. It's God's work. And there's several other things that you might catch in that as well. Not only is it not anything that he does, it's a work of God. You can't do it yourself. But you know what? All the things that Nicodemus had done, all that old stuff of religion, that old stuff religion that he was doing, was worthless for the purpose of Nicodemus being able to see the kingdom of God. And you see that Jesus says that. Look, Nicodemus, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you know, all your self-righteous acts. You need to. It needs to be a work of God. All of your working was absolutely worthless. It didn't accomplish anything because you're still not going to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And second, you know what? It's a work of God. It's not man's work. Uh, and uh, God's working is from above and our it's not our righteousness that satisfies God, uh, but it's Christ. And of course, we'll look at that as we go on. But so that's what it means, if you will, that uh, Nicodemus said, when Jesus said, you must be born from above. You, you, it's got to be, it's a work of God. It's uh, that what you have done so far isn't sufficient. You're not right. And like he said to the, the rich young ruler, he said, you know, one thing you still lack, you know, you, uh, sell all that you possess and, and come follow me. Well, what we look next at is this, and that's Nicodemus's response. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again, can he? Now, Jesus uh, had made a statement, and he used, you know, born again as the, the picture, word picture, if you will, to get across the point that Nicodemus had to have, have a change that came from God. It came from God and not by his own power. And, uh, and he had to start all over new. It, it was new. It wasn't, he couldn't just add it on to what you already had, but it, it came new and it was from God. And uh, Nicodemus's response was in the like manner, the same uh, imagery that Jesus used. So Nicodemus response, Nicodemus wasn't stupid. In fact, he was obviously quite brilliant and uh, quite quick at catching on when you really look at it. And he knew the law well. He knew what the Word of God said well. And we will see that even as we go on. Uh, and he understood fully what Jesus was saying, that entering the kingdom of God was impossible by your own merit, no matter how much one does to earn it. It is a work of God to save a person, not their own. And he had no more to do with that than he did with being born. But Nicodemus uses the same imagery and says, uh, well, how can a man be born when he is old? You know, you cannot enter a second time into your mother's womb, can he? And in, in essence, what Nicodemus was saying, well, how? Okay, 
then if you can't do it by your own righteousness of trying to keep the law, then how do you do it? And that brings us to what Jesus answers again in verse 5. He says, again, truly, truly, now here, understand this, Nicodemus, catch the emphasis that I'm putting on it. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do, you, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, this... Uh, this part of passage is often uh, misunderstood. It's you know you, you, even if you look in commentaries that you'll see all kinds of things about the being uh, you know born of water and of the spirit. And some would say, well, it's talking about baptism, or it's talking about uh, you know physical birth versus spiritual birth, and and uh, and for us Gentiles in particular. Uh, it, it it seems confusing, but you know what? When you look at Scripture and you study it and you understood understand what the Jews believed, they were always looking for the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. They were always looking for the Messiah and for God to set up his kingdom. They were the chosen people. That was, you know, at the baseline of everything that they believed in what they did. Well, Jesus answers from that. He answers uh, and says, you know, truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born of water and the Spirit, or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he wasn't talking about physical birth, but he was referring to Nicodemus, who knew the Old Testament scriptures, referring to a passage in Ezekiel, chapter 36, that all the Jews knew, and especially Nicodemus would know. And when Jesus gave the key words, be born of the Spirit and of, or of water and of the Spirit, Nicodemus would automatically think of this passage. And let me read it, Joseph, over in Ezekiel uh, 36, and let me start with verse 25, and it says this. It says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove a, the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. Um, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Okay. Then he and uh, if you read before, he talks about uh, what. Israel did, and how they were, they had failed uh, being holy before God as a nation. And here he promises them, says, look, Nicodemus, there will come a, a, a day when I will do this. I will change your heart. I'll put a new heart in you. I will sprinkle you clean with water, and I'll put my spirit within you. So when Jesus uh, says this, it 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 automatically brought Nicodemus to think of the promise that God had said that he would do to his people, for his people. And that is that he would he would change them. That he would put a new heart in them. 
that he would sprinkle their sins clean uh, with water and that they would be uh, clean with that and he'd have a new heart and have a new spirit and they would be right before God. And so that's what Jesus says to him. And, uh, and Nicodemus got it. There wasn't any question. There wasn't any debate after that. Nicodemus wasn't confused. And, uh, but he says this, and he understands what Nicodemus was saying. He understood what Jesus was referring to when he said water and spirit. Uh, And, you know, we could look at a lot of other passages in the Bible to look at that, but but what he was saying is this, and Nicodemus understood it. Without God's work in a man's heart, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus lays down a foundational principle, which seems really obvious when you think about it. If you, if you go on and you look at verse 6, how Jesus then explains it, he gives him again, says, listen, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, in other words, the work of God, uh, and then he says, look, it's God's work that does it. Your work of self-righteousness doesn't do it. And then he lays down this principle uh, that sh should be clear enough after we hear it in verse 5 where he says, and Jesus answers, says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Uh, the principle is clear enough, the foundational principle that all that works of the flesh can produce is what? Flesh. Flesh. It's fleshly. All that works of the flesh, all your acts of self-righteousness, it can only produce one thing. That which is flesh is flesh. Fleshiness, worldliness, carnality, not spiritualness. Only God can produce that which is of the Spirit of God, and that's what he says. And, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. It is the work of God. So he, he lays down that principle, and then quickly, through the next verses, and we're running out of time here, uh, he says, the wind blows where it wishes, or he says, do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. Now, there's something interesting in verse 7 that happens because Jesus, at this time when he used you, he used the third person, that is, that is you, you all, you know, a group. But now he switches to the second person, you, and it's a personal statement. He says, um, and I say to you, you must be born again. <laughs> in other words, it, Nicodemus, this applies to you. And uh, and he says, uh, you don't, you might not understand it, but here's how it is. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, you might not understand how God works, but he does. Right. And what he calls us to do is to have faith in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God does his work. It is a work of God. It's not the work of man. And and, uh, and then, of course, the next question, and we'll stop here, is that Nicodemus asked, well, how can these things be? How does God do that? How does God change a person's heart? How does God put uh, 
his spirit in them. How does God change a person from a, a sinner under the condemnation of God to one who is in God's favor and right before him? And so next time we'll answer that as we look through the rest of the verses, starting with verse 9. All right. Well, that, uh, yeah, <clears throat> This has been uh, this has been good. Um, hopefully, um, this will help any, you know anyone else who, out who's uh, been um, struggling um, and you know wondering you know perhaps you're at that point right now in your life and um, you, you don't know you may have people talk to you, you may have heard it. Um, we just uh, we we just pray that. Uh, that you would right now choose this time to um, repent and and uh, be truly born from God, um, and uh, and we just uh, pray these things. And, um, and of course, if you already are and you're a believer, hopefully this will it was good and that continue to uh, hopefully this will help equip me equip you maybe to share it for, to others. And um, we just. Uh, uh, thank you for listening, and Dad, uh, thank you. And uh, we're done. Thank you, Joseph. We're done. Pick up on uh, yeah, verses nine, and probably go to time line fourteen. Is that our plan for the next session? Yeah. And down to fourteen. Yep. And now our plan. What what I understand talking to you earlier, um, we're you're wanting to do this monthly is that what our kind of our time frame is for these or kind of just when well we're... we'll do whatever monthly, so we'll see about that all right that sounds good so all right folks we're gonna um we're gonna end we're gonna probably put this on uh um get this out to you folks um put it on um social media and and uh other places and uh thank you and uh god bless